Every tribe, tongue, and language will be there. And so it's exciting to work in partnership with these people as they see God's Word in their own language for the very first time and impacting their communities. It's, a, it's an exhilarating time to be a part of Bible translation. Welcome to this week's First Person, where our guest now is the president and CEO of Wycliffe Associates, Bruce Smith. Bruce has some exciting news about Bible translation, a new approach that will speed up and greatly aid translation projects. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and you'll meet Bruce Smith in just a moment. It's great to have you with us again this week. A reminder that anytime you can't join us on radio, you can always listen on demand at firstpersoninterview.com or by using our smartphone app, which is available to download free from your app store. With the app, you can download any program for listening anytime in the car, at the gym, or anywhere. Wycliffe Associates is entering its 50th year of coming alongside Bible translators and providing technology, logistical, and operational support. It's a vital part of reaching the goal of the Bible in every language. Under the leadership of Bruce Smith, Wycliffe Associates is constantly coming up with new ways of meeting this need. And today, Bruce will tell us about the latest developments. He spoke with me recently on the telephone, and as we began, I asked him to describe the work of Wycliffe Associates. Wycliffe Associates is uh, coming up on our 50th year, 50th anniversary, of serving Bible translation teams around the world. It was formed by Christian businessmen back in the late 60s who uh, believed in the power of God's Word, who saw that uh, the need was global for that and felt like God could uh, really use their business skills and experience in unique ways to help advance Bible translation around the world. So that's what we've been about for 50 years. So give me an example of what that looks like. What does that mean? What What is some of the, the staff and the volunteers? You have many volunteers. What do they do? From the very earliest days, uh, some of our founders were involved in construction. And so naturally what they would do is they would call their friends and say, let's go to Papua New Guinea or let's go to Peru or let's go to Indonesia and uh, we have a work project on a school or an office or some facility there, uh, even building airstrips and things like that. And it was a very stereotypical kind of short-term missions, small group of people making an impact for, in a, on a project for a very short period of time. From that, we have moved uh, dramatically in a, in a different direction now because What's happened over the over the 50 years of our of our lifetime at Wycliffe Associates is that the world has changed dramatically, and especially the whole arena of missions has changed dramatically. 50 years ago, the church was beginning to spread globally. Uh, 50 years later, the church has spread globally, and so now what we're working with is partnerships with local Christians, local bodies of believers who are now stewarding God's word for their own people. And so increasingly, what we're doing is creating tools and resources and support mechanisms to, to enable those local Christians to succeed in stewarding God's Word for their own people. And uh, less technical projects, less construction, a lot of that infrastructure was essential and valuable in supporting foreigners who are living overseas. But now that we're working with local people, it's more information infrastructure, resources that are information-based, those kinds of things that'll help them do their work well. Last time we talked, we talked about how you utilize volunteers from all over the country. If I were a retired businessman, for instance, what, what could I bring to Wycliffe Associates? It depends what business you were in. <laughs> <laughs> the, the answer is that uh, every kind of skill set that's needed in business is also needed in missions. 
We need people that have accounting background. We need people that have information technology background, construction background, those kind of things I already described. But also personnel management, project management, language competencies, just all of the same kinds of things that are that are part of our normal economy are needed to operate a, a mission and a ministry effectively. So what we, what we tell people is we believe that God has actually already prepared them specifically and intentionally to serve using their skills and experience. We're not asking them to change and become something else. We're not asking them to, to turn away from the past and, and learn something completely new. We're asking them to apply the skills and the life experience that they've, they've gained directly in Bible translation as part of a team to help it be effective in its work around the world. Well, I know many people have found great significance and purpose in life by volunteering to work with Wycliffe Associates in a variety of roles. And uh, frankly, could you do what you do without them? Uh, we could not. Uh, it is who we are. We are the the arm of Bible translation that directly engages Christians that uh, have professional experience to use that in a way to help advance Bible translation. On that note, uh, you'll be interested to hear that in recent years, we've typically involved around 3,000 volunteers per year in a variety of service roles around the world, 76 different countries. But this last year, that number has leapt from 3,000 a year to over 7,000 really? this past year. Wow. Specifically because of changes that are taking place in Bible translation around the world. Yeah, I want to talk about those changes in Bible translation, but let me let me hone in just for a moment on the volunteers. Uh, you mentioned earlier the change in, in, uh, in the approach. Um, so does that mean that there's more national involvement? Absolutely more national involvement. These are the people that are stakeholders in their community. They're, they're lifetime experts on their own language and their culture. These are people that are part of the the uh, Christian heritage in their nation, and um, they they are really God's ambassadors. They're God's instruments in that community to steward His word for those people. And so, as that church has grown globally, that capacity for Bible translation expertise in the local community has expanded as well. And this is the tide that we're, we're seeing right now that's expanding the impact of Bible translation around the world, while also enabling Christians from the U.S., for example, our volunteer pool of people here in the United States, to come alongside these local Christians with very practical skill sets and tools to help them succeed in their work. All right, just one more thing about this. These 7,000 volunteers, are many of them then deployed around the world? Yes, they're involved in Bible translation in 76 countries this past year. And does that mean for an extended period or a shorter period of time? It can mean either one. Uh, again, we, we don't set limitations on uh, the timing for people to be involved. We ask them, how and when are you available? And if that period of time is a couple of weeks, we can engage them. If it's a couple of months, we can involve them. If they want to be, you know, in their post-career season, they want to do this full-time, we can do that as well. We've developed systems and structures to really meet people where they are and help them to to contribute with what God has given them. Hmm. Well, we will put information and links, of course, about these volunteer opportunities through your website on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Let's talk about Bible translation. Wycliffe Associates has a unique role in Bible translation. Uh, talk about what's happening today. 
Yeah, so this uh, this rising tide of uh, the Church's engagement in Bible translation is just a very exciting thing that we've seen dramatically accelerate over the last two years. It's It's kind of the convergence of several different factors from my vantage point. One is that the Church is growing to maturity around the world um, in an unprecedented way. Uh, comparing today to 50 years ago, the Church is just much more developed, much more highly trained, much more highly educated, much more globally uh, pervasive than it's ever been in history. Uh, along with that, there is a thirst for God's Word that is unquenched hmm. at this point in time. Um, they, The Church worldwide, believers worldwide, understand the power and the the impact of God's Word in their own lives and in the lives of their communities and in their nations. And so there is a thirst for God's Word that that we I didn't see 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And so to see the Church rising up and saying, this is essential to our work, this is essential to discipleship, essential to evangelism, and having Scripture in the local language is is vital to their work, is is leading a trend and enabling a trend of acceleration in Bible translation that's unprecedented in history. Yeah, there's a specific program we'll talk about in the second half of our conversation today. But let me just ask you, sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend that there are languages where there is no Bible, and that could still be true in the world today. Um, Give us the big picture here. Yeah, so the big picture in round numbers is around 7,000 unique languages spoken worldwide. Out of those languages, there's only about 600, just a little over 600 that have the entire Bible. (laughs) So now you're talking about more than 6,000 languages that don't have the Bible. There are languages, though, that have the New Testament. They haven't gotten translated to their Old Testament yet, but they do have the New Testament, just over 1,400 of those languages. Mm -hmm. But that still leaves thousands of languages without the New Testament, without the Old Testament, some with portions, some that have been struggling to move forward, but many who now, through, through this new program we're going to talk about, are finding the tools and the resources to bring Scripture to their people now instead of later. And this is, this is the other factor I, I didn't mention just a minute ago, is there's, there's an impatience within the body of Christ around the world um, that the, the methods of, of Scripture translation that have worked in the past and have blessed all of these nations that I just described that have the New Testament, that have the Old Testament, they have not blessed every nation in the world. And as we, as we come to the year 2017, we're just at the beginning of this year, this is the 500th anniversary of the start of the Reformation in, in Europe. And yet that Reformation has not actually impacted thousands of languages around the world in the same way that it has majority languages like English and German and other European languages. And so there's a, there's a time in history that we're seeing right now where the tools for the church to do high-quality Bible translation themselves in a short period of time are now available and They are grasping those tools and running forward as fast as they can. We'll continue talking with Bruce Smith of Wycliffe Associates about the latest developments in Bible translation in a moment. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. The interview we're listening to reminds me of the remarkable way that God uses those who follow Christ to do great things for Him. 
At FEBC, we broadcast in nearly 50 countries of the world. Our staff always speaking in the local language, sharing the gospel, and teaching the word to millions every day. If you'd like to know more about FEBC, please click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Dr. Bruce Smith. Bruce is president and CEO of Wycliffe Associates. His book, Telling His Story, is called Living Translation, and we'll also provide links to that on our website today. Bruce, I'm very happy to talk with you again. It's been, a, as I said at the outset, been a few years since I had you on first person, and there's been so much going on that I knew it was time for an update. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. God, God is uh, moving in an amazing way, and it's important for us to, to tell his story. All right. Now, there's a new program called MAST, M-A-S-T. We'll talk all about that. But how many translation projects of the Bible are going on at any one time? In recent years, um, there's been just over 2,000 to 2,200 traditional Bible translation programs in process. But in the last two years, an additional 600-plus have been started by local Christian communities, local congregations. And so the number is moving rapidly from 2,000 to 3,000 right now as we speak. Historically, I understand it's been taking somewhere between 10 and 20 years to complete an entire Bible translation, but that's changing radically now, isn't it? Yeah, I I wish that those numbers were, uh, were true, but unfortunately it has often taken 25 to 30 years. Really? simply to do a New Testament. Wow. We're not even talking about an entire Bible. And a lot of that has been because the work has been primarily carried on by foreigners. It has been done by people who need to move into the local community, learn the culture, learn the language, which takes, frankly, a long time in order to begin to understand things as complex as the concepts that are in Scripture before the translation can begin. What's changing now is that whole uh, language learning period, that whole cultural learning period is now essentially erased because the local people have that. They don't need to take decades to do that. They don't need that that season of time. They can move immediately into the process of translation. Hmm. The other thing that's happened is that there's new tools available in terms of electronic resources that are now freely downloadable through the Internet. Our team is creating tools all the time to serve the church specifically as they do Bible translation. And new methodologies that are actually uh, eclipsing the pace of prior translation processes by a wide margin. We've now, we've now had several languages, several um, translation teams that have completed their entire New Testament in weeks. Hmm. We've had many that have finished their New Testament in months. And we have many of these that have gone from their New Testament and are now heading into their Old Testament, so that the entire process of translating the Bible is soon going to be less than four years, less than three years, as the Church continues to engage in this process. Well, this is very exciting news indeed. Uh, As I mentioned, it's called MAST, Mobilize Assistance Supporting Translation, and it's really a collaborative effort as I understand it. Absolutely. MAST is just the acronym that we've used to describe what we do to serve the Church. We're mobilizing that assistance to support translation. And so it's a, it's a unique process that's based on principles of language learning and language acquisition and, and translation that have been proven over many years of academic research and use in translation and interpretation. And putting it into the hands of the Church has unleashed 
um, a power and a, a movement of God, really, that we didn't anticipate. Well, I know this had to be tested. Uh, tell me the story of how this got started and where it stands right now and what you've learned so far. Trying to tell it in a short period of time, it, <laughs> it actually came out of the fact that we were some of our volunteers were helping our international partners to improve their English language skills. That may sound like an unusual thing for us to do, especially when we're helping them translate into other languages besides English. But Mm -hmm. so many of the resources for Bible translation historically for the past seven decades have all been in English, that the, the English competency of local teams was a limitation on their ability to move forward effectively in Bible translation. So we were working with them to improve their English language proficiency. And as we were working with them, one of the young leaders, one of the young guys that was part of a team, asked our our uh, manager of the English language training program, Dan Kramer, asked him a simple question. Dan, is there a way to use the same teaching method that you use for English? Is there a way to use that method to teach us how to do Bible translation in a better way? And so Dan came back and started researching the process, looked at all of the training materials that had been created for Bible translation over the years, and really synthesized them into a different training method to teach the local people how to do translation. And in the process, uh, as it was tested in, in workshops back two years ago, we, we found out some amazing things. One of the amazing things was that the pace of translation dramatically accelerated from the historical pace. What we found in the early workshops and continue to find after hundreds of workshops now is that an individual translator can translate and check somewhere around 35 verses per day. Now that may, I don't know if that sounds earth-shaking to you or not. <laughs> if you think about 35 verses, you know, that's an average chapter perhaps. Yeah. It doesn't take very long for you to read that. Perhaps it's not hard for you to imagine that if you were bilingual, which I don't know if you are or not. No, I'm not, no. If you were bilingual, you could read that chapter and begin the translation process in a, in a fairly short period of time. Mm-hmm. And so this is the amazing thing. 35 verses a day is, is an unprecedented pace of translation that's being done by those local believers. Second thing that everybody is concerned about, and especially the local believers, is the quality of the translation. Right, the accuracy, right? Absolutely, because we're stewarding the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do a sloppy job. There's no benefit to anybody to have a poor translation. And so Mass specifically integrates several steps to check the quality, everything from the first translator to their peers, to the group and the community, to the church leadership, multiple steps of checking to assure that that translation is, is uh, faithful to the original text. And also we're creating additional tools to be able to check it all the way back to the original languages as well. What we're finding through the same process as well is that the quality of translation is equal to or higher than traditional translation methods. This is the breakthrough that's happening in Bible translation right now around the world. Well, again, that's why I wanted to talk with you today, because this is a a, a new development that's very exciting. And as you briefly mentioned before, technology has to play a role here, too. The fact that uh, most of us are carrying cell phones in our pockets these days is not just true in the United States. It's actually true globally. Yeah, smartphones. And it's a ref- it, absolutely. But uh, not everybody in the world has smartphones, but many people in the world have phones. 
And it's a reflection of how technology, information technology especially, is putting resources within reach of people um, in a way that has, has never happened before. And so one of the strategies we're pursuing is to create resources that are released freely. Nobody has to pay. Nobody has to get licensing. Nobody has to pay a royalty. They're, they're released freely under an open license so that anybody in the world can have access to the foundational Bible translation resources that are necessary to do a high-quality translation. We're also translating these original resources from English into 50 majority languages worldwide. We call this a gateway language translation strategy, so that people are not limited if they're only bilingual in English. They might be bilingual in Hindi or in Arabic or in Mandarin or some other language, and these resources will be also freely available to them by the end of this year. And so these tools are now literally within reach of everybody in the world so that they can contribute to the Bible translation process. I'm sure many of us didn't understand what was going on here as you've been working so hard on this, but what's the impact of all this? What, what excites you about this? Well, what excites me about it is in the last 12 months, 314 languages that have never had one verse of Scripture now have Scripture translation in process. That is somewhere around three times the pace of recent years. In the last two years since MAST, since the inception of MAST, 650 language groups have been trained to use this methodology and are using it not only to complete their New Testaments, but also to begin and complete their Old Testaments. And it's really, it's exciting to see the Church, God's instruments in the world, to be able to steward His Word for their own people and not to be dependent upon limited resources of outsiders and of foreigners coming into their arena. It's, it's exciting to work in partnership with these people as they see God's Word in their own language for the very first time and impacting their communities. It's, a, it's an exhilarating time to be a part of Bible translation. And just briefly, in conclusion, this is part of fulfilling the Great Commission, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, scripture says that His Word will be spread among all nations and that before His throne... On the, on the last day that uh, every tribe, tongue, and language will be there. And so we believe this is part of that. And we certainly see that not only believers um, believe this and are investing their time and talent in it around the world, but they see this as the key to, to dispelling the darkness that's around them among the unbelievers in their communities and in their nations. And in some of the most hostile regions of the world, this kind of Bible translation is moving forward and beginning to have an impact that will become clearer as time goes on, but is already making a difference in dispelling the darkness in that part of the world. Bruce Smith, president and CEO of Wycliffe Associates. A few years ago, Bruce and I talked about his own story of how God led him to the work of Wycliffe Associates. We'll place a link to that earlier interview on our website, firstpersoninterview.com, along with a link to Bruce's book, Living Translation. Again, look for this at firstpersoninterview.com. I'd like to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of First Person, allowing us to find and bring you these stories each week. FEBC's extensive broadcast ministry in nearly 50 countries of the world has seen remarkable results in terms of people of many cultures turning to Christ and learning His Word. Your support of FEBC is vital to those who may otherwise be unreached. To find out more and to help, please click on the FEBC banner you'll find at firstpersoninterview.com. Once again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. And join us with your comments anytime on Facebook. You'll find us at facebook.com slash 
first-person interview. Next week, our guest will be Tom Adama of Heart for Lebanon. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We'll see you next time for First Person. Thank you.